Yo ho, yo ho, it's the pirate's blood for me in the last voyage of the Demeter. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Welcome into MVM, uh, the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airways, where two friends try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies. This week, we try to stay alive as we're discussing the last voyage of the Demeter, Faye. Yes. The Dracula to my, uh, I guess I would be like one of the rats or maybe the dog. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. Damn, Alex. That's a very degrading comparison. I said you were going to say the captain. Someone. No, you created something to the damn rats. Damn. Or, hey, or the hey, dog. I went first. I, I went first. I went quick. All right. I was. I didn't get turned into a vampire. <laughs> I wasn't burning alive like three of the other characters in this movie. I, ca- I would say I, I came out not on top, but, you know. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm in True. doggy heaven. I've seen all dogs go to heaven. I know how nice it is. But yeah, thanks for joining me. Uh, this, I saw you championing, the, or not championing, but talking about this movie a good bit online. Yeah. Uh, kind of, I think you were even mentioning that you wish more people would get to go see it, which looking at the box office numbers, I would say the studio probably wishes more people would to go see it. Too. Yeah. It was really funny because oh, oh wait, go ahead. I I don't want to get again. Let's get us on a tangent already. Oh no no no! I want I want to hear the tangent because the tangent was people are like, why did the movie cost so much? Why did it cost so much? And Barry McCreary, who did the, who did the composing for this movie, which you probably you probably know, you probably watched the credits or just knew in general, was like, well, it was mostly practical and it was shot on a boat. We couldn't they they couldn't save that much money on it. I, I was thinking while I was watching this, like the thought literally came across my head. I was like, "This feels expensive for a horror because movie." It the is boat pretty expensive. is such a nice set. Yeah, I think its budget is like thirty million. Let me let me check though, so I don't look dumb. I think it was forty. Because uh, I was looking last night. Oh yeah, you're right. Because I was like, "How much?" Oh uh, yeah, I was like, "How much money did this lose?" And it was like, "Oh, it lost like." 23 million yeah. or something like that that sounds about right i was like oh oh that poor movie because for a horror movie uh, that's very expensive actually yeah yeah it is I, I i part of me wonders how they convinced a studio to make this movie <laughs> well what well, kind of helps me when, you, when you have like ambulin championing it mm, well, that's a good point which is kind of surreal they release this in Oh, this should have came out in January. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. August was not a great month for this. The worst. I mean, when you have a heavy hitter like Blue Beetle <laughs> <laughs> right around the corner. Honestly, I- ironically, what it ended up being was like, I feel like Barbenheimer just drained the energy out of a lot of movies. Because, I mean, even Mission Impossible got hit hard by Barbenheimer. It really did. That was, that, that's a good point. Barbenheimer took all the oxygen. It's yeah. all anybody talked about for weeks, even after it came out. Um, 
And yes, it was a good boon at mm. the time for movie theaters, but I think it definitely hurt other movies around it quite a bit. I feel Even like nothing the- made money in August. Even Meg 2, which did all right, it didn't make that much money. Yeah, that's that's uh, that'll do well in China. Yeah, and I think it did do well in China. That'll be it. When I went there, it could be wrong. I'm not surprised. It's definitely for. It's definitely funded by the Chinese. Actually, yeah. more the first one more so than this one. I mean, mm. the same amount of money, if not more. But is it, this is less obvious about it. Oh, that's in interesting. A lot of ways. I, I haven't seen Meg two yet, so I wouldn't know. Because I remember, I, I remember Meg one being as Chinese as like Pacific Rim Uprising. For example, mm. yeah, I mean they still talk about China. The sharks like to attack China again. Um, really funny random it, it, tangent. I don't want to stay on long because this is not a Meg episode. I know you did that already um, yes. <laughs> twice, but because in the in the novel, Meg is very Japan focused, actually. So that that's an irony. But I literally had no idea the Meg had anything to do was a book. You never knew that. I had no idea. Oh my god! No, I didn't know that. Damn, I'm so surprised. Have you listened to this show? Have you listened to this show? We don't do our research here on NBM. A lot of people somehow don't know that the Meg was a book. That's really funny. Is it one book? Is it two books? It's actually like, a lot of books. Like a Dune-like series? Like what is it? The uh, the Meg is like a bunch of books. I'm trying to think how many there is. I think there's like five of them. What? But they're but they're old though. They're they're from the they're from like the 90s. That's awesome. I had no idea. Okay, there's one, (laughs) two, three. Okay, yeah, there was four original books, and then they came back, and there's been three new ones. Is it called the Meg 2, The Trench? The second one? (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, actually, the second one is called The Trench, but there's no Meg in it. The first one's called Meg, second one's called The Trench, third one's called Primal Waters, and the fourth one is called Hell's Aquarium. This sounds phenomenal. I I didn't know if we needed a Meg two. There's also there's also um, a Meg three. Uh, a Lock This Monster book series by the same author, which takes place in the Meg universe. This is amazing. Okay, right, I'm gonna look into these things. <laughs> this sounds awesome. I'm down for it. Uh, but oh, Faye, do you want to get into the movie? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I got us on a tangent uh, again. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to steer this ship back on course. Unlike the captain in this movie, he couldn't pull it off at the end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> directed by Andre, uh, I don't want to butcher these names, Andre Avradal, oh. who directed the highly regarded movie for me and Eric, at the very least, Troll Hunter. This is a very different film from that one. And it takes a very different spin on the typical Dracula storytelling. The question here, Faye, is is the expansion of the lore a bore? Or did the film shake you to your core? <laughs> I think that choosing the focus. Okay, here's the funny thing. For some reason, well, I guess not for some reason. This movie really showed how many people have just never watched a Dracula thing or even read the Dracula novel. Because for some reason, you definitely saw it, Alex. A lot of people were like, "Ha, huh, Dracula on a boat? That's so stupid. What will Hollywood think of next? Like, that wasn't a part of the story since 1898. I or, saw that. Or wherever. I saw that. I was... I didn't I didn't know about it until I saw you actually tweet about it. And I was baffled. I was like, this is a thing. Like, yeah, it's only a few lines of dialogue, really. But it's a thing. I don't know about the book. I can't speak to the book. Eric can speak to the book. He, he, went, he read the whole thing. But I was like, this is... 
it's in the original film. It's it's a, been in every adaptation of the lore of of Dracula besides like the Hammer, besides like the Hammer right? take. Go watch Renfield from a few months ago. <laughs> like, just no. It's a it's a thing. This isn't like uh, mm-hmm. Dracula in space or something. I know, right? Really weird because people were, were acting like it was some goofy Hollywood idea. But anyways, and the kind of interesting thing is, I don't know, Alex, if you remember um, the Stephen Moffat written Dracula TV show from 2020, right before the big C happened. But um, that also had a whole episode devoted to, to, the, to the Demeter and the Voyage. I didn't watch that show. Did you like that show? I thought it was pretty cool. I have some issues with its finale, but I really love the first two. And in my opinion, it's the scariest Dracula thing we've gotten in a while, even with this movie. That movie was pretty creepy for a Dracula thing. But anyways, um, so it's kind of interesting to me that we had two very close Dracula projects doing this, but this has been in the work since 2004, this this movie. So it's had a long production history. Mm, I didn't know that. I didn't know it had been... Golly, this is like a... It, now was the director involved initially? I guess no. not. He wasn't even. A Ironically, thing back then. the main person and you don't see this a lot in Hollywood who championed it was the screenwriter. I'm a or whose name I'm going to butcher again. Just like you, we're going we're going to butcher names. I'm a Braggy Shut Junior. I'm a because he came up with this okay. back in the 2000s and he's been trying to get it made for a while. And him and Amblin have been tied to it for a while though. It's a great idea. I mean, it's it's kind of the equivalent of I guess maybe since Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, did it also Dracula? Uh, what Stephen Moffat? Yeah, Dracula did this as well. But it kind of rings a little bit for me as someone who hasn't read the book and only seen the movies. It rings for me like that Rogue One line. Uh, yeah, like, like what caused Rogue One? Like one line of dialogue, and they're going to make a movie based on that. That's mm-hmm. kind of what this is to me. They're making mm-hmm. a movie based off of that thing that's talked about off screen. Yeah, or that happened off screen. So it's really cool to see like these events unfold the mm-hmm. way they do. And like very for me, creative. I feel like fleshing out doomed characters is very difficult, but I feel like Last Voyage of the Demeter does a good job making you care about the people in this. Which for me, as you know, we've talked about it enough times, I think that's one of the best things a monster movie can do, is make you care about the characters. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely one of the things that makes me feel like it's not a bore. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the movie is, it's moving pretty quick. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, I was surprised at how quick things go wrong here. I know, right? Like, typically, there's a lot of buildup and something like this, especially when you know the characters mm-hmm. are doomed. But it moves so fast. The kills happen really quick. And, and then there's, there's these little, cr- typically, you would see like, uh, you know, Little creepy things happening around the ship. Yeah. Maybe little quick sightings, uh, but they don't know. They think there's a phantom on the ship or mm-hmm. something. And then there's the fi- there's the first kill, the finger pointing. Mm-hmm. And then we get the paranoia and then the big finale. Mm-hmm. But the film, I don't know. It, it sidesteps yeah. all of that for the most part. A little, Just very light finger pointing, yeah. but it's quickly dismissed. And like, see, like something then, which I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. no I was just going to say, mm-hmm. it's just like... They, I just like that the characters here know that something is messed up, yeah, and they know that something is coming for them, yeah, almost immediately. So I really dig the those pacing decisions Same. and storytelling points in the film. 
See, I feel like for me, what I find really interesting when on the last voyage of the of the Demeter's take on on the Demeter concept, beyond of course the horror of it, um, I love the idea that it kind of posits there because it is much more overt and in your face, even compared to Moffat's Dracula, which is always in the back of my mind for this country, they did two very different concepts. In Moffat's Dracula, for context, Dracula poses as a passenger, and he kind of does everything mm. secretly. And it's kind of like more like what you said, where they kind of figure it out. This take on it, which I really love the line where Anna's like, um, he doesn't care. He's not posing as a human because he's he, no one's going, going to England alive on the ship. And I think that's a really cool concept mm-hmm. of a Dracula who's going all out because he doesn't have to hide. He he knows everyone's going to die. All he's doing, like like she says, is he's just rationing them to last him as long as he needs until he reaches England. And I think that's a gnarly concept. I like that too. That's a really cool line. And then like you said, that they're the rations. Yeah. Which was a really cool really cool line in the movie. Uh I don't know. It's like you said, that the animalistic Dracula is unlike most iterations of the character that we've yeah. gotten to see. And I love his appearance for the most part in this a couple mm-hmm. times he's a little cgi but for yeah. the most part he does seem like a practical effect yeah um i i just like that he looks like such an animal but still clearly has the intelligence yeah. which is shown by a how he attacks everybody but b um his knocking yeah. where he knows everybody's knocks yeah uh and so he's able to imitate him on the ship which i thought was like a really cool moment um and I like that the movie even comments on, like, don't uh, don't underestimate his intelligence yeah. just by, you know, how he looks. The other thing here, though, I like, and it goes right back to what you said as well, is the characters. Yeah. I, I don't feel like all of them were fully fleshed out. Like, I would have, I fully expected to, like, really like the captain. Mm-hmm. But instead, we really, our only real connection to him is his grandson that's on the ship. Yeah. Uh, because he cares about him, we care about him caring about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, the characters that I like are Clemens, who is a great main character. Yeah, uh, Anna is really good as well. I didn't know how great she would be since she was comatose for half the movie. <laughs> um, if she was just going to be like kind of a zombie for most of it, but she ends up pretty being pretty interesting. But my favorite character was Olgerin. He seems like the super kind guy, yeah. And then his fate ends up being one of the darkest ones here. Yeah, I know. Right? And he spends like the most time under what Dra- Dracula's control. Yeah, and he didn't last as long as I thought he was going to either, which was good. I like being wrong about yeah. when the character's going to be taken. It's also like such a genuinely brutal movie in a way. A lot of modern horror, I don't want to say. Isn't but I feel like because Bon Hart can be brutal. I'm not gonna say it's not, but like even by by like today's standards, you don't see a lot of kid killing. Not, not, not that you need to kill no. a kid, but if you but if you suggest the possibility and you go through with it, that's still brutal to me in an admirable way, especially because it doesn't feel edgy either, if that makes sense. Oh, a hundred percent. one of the things Eric and I really harped on in our Alien versus Predator Requiem mm-hmm. episode is that they kill kids in it, but it feels like yeah, really like ah. Oh, this kind of goes back to our MVM Plus, but mm-hmm. it, 
It feels really cynical. Yeah. And to the point that it's it's almost, it's not unwatchable. I mean, it is an unwatchable movie, but mostly because yeah. you can't even see any of it. <laughs> but it, it it's it's to the point that it's like, what is wrong with you yeah. <laughs> in that movie? But in something like this, and even uh, a movie we haven't covered on here, which is uh, Evil Dead Rise, mm-hmm. both of them kill kids, mm-hmm. which is... I feel like a no-no yeah. <laughs> for a lot of films, but I, I think I think this one does yeah. it really does it pretty well, more so than Evil Dead Rise. Mm-hmm. But it is a surprise, and neither one of the films mm-hmm. felt quite sadistic. I guess when yeah. it happened, because I feel like, like for it's me, just a part of the story, especially because like especially for this one, I can't speak for Evil Dead Rise. So I haven't gotten to that yet, but I feel like here they do a very good job making it emotional too, in like a sensible way. Not not melodramatic, but I feel like one of the best scenes in this movie isn't even to do with Dracula, really. It's the funeral scene for Toby. That scene is oh, so genuinely man. sad, but in, like, a smart way. Yes. I was really impressed by that that scene. I was like, well, he's not really dead, right? But then they, they had the full funeral and all that. And then I'm like, oh, well, I guess they're just going to get rid of him before. And then he sees him breathing. And I'm like, oh, no. And it takes such a dramatic, dark turn yeah. in that moment. It's like, oh, you really feel for the captain in that moment. I know, right? It, it, it's just really smart with how it does it. And I just, in general, I think the movie's great with its buildup because it's not too slow. It's just the right amount of atmosphere building in that movie, I feel like, where you really do get, like, that doomed, like... Like, like I said, it's spooky because it's not, like, overly horrifying. There's nothing, like, super scary. But it's just, like, you get that doomed feeling watching this movie and you really feel for the, for the, for the, for the, like, the crew of the ship because there is no escape there. Yeah, and they, they accept their fate pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, they still try to go out fighting mm-hmm. and they try to do their best to take them out, but... I mean, I think even when there's, like, six of them left, yeah. they kind of acknowledge, like, yeah, we're probably not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, which I, I, I appreciate that element. The, the There's only a few problems with the movie that I really have, mm-hmm. and it, they're minimal, yeah. honestly. I wish it was a little scarier. Mm. Uh, not, not no jump scares or anything like that, but I could have had a little more tension mm-hmm. in some of the moments. I I appreciate its expediency yeah. on getting to the meat, but I also feel like it could have lingered mm. wa- there a little bit longer while he's still this horrifying thing lurking in the dark. That's fair. Um, but it, 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 that's a that's kind of a minor complaint. Mm-hmm. Really, most of my complaints come with some of the logic in the film. Mm-hmm. I because I, I phrased most of the elements mm-hmm. in it, but I'm a little surprised they didn't dig into more of the crates once they found a girl fell out mm-hmm. of one of them. Uh, I feel like with I was, them, I think what they assumed was that she was a stowaway hiding in there, because that's what they called her initially. Uh, mm-hmm. They did. They did. And that, that's probably a good point. And also, I'm sure their payment yeah. is contingent on their cargo yeah. arriving in one piece. Yeah. And maybe they don't care what's in it yeah. also. I mean, they're, well, what's there's actually, they're just, I, I don't want to get into tangible, because I actually do have a problem I want to bring up with the movie. But that reminds me, one of my favorite scenes in this is is like you know initially when they bring on the one local Romanian guy 
when they're when they're like recruiting for the crew, and that's when oh, they yeah. find Clemens and stuff. But initially, they say no to him. Um, I love when he's on the ship hosting it up, and he just sees the seal of the dragon, and he drops it, and he's like, "I'm out of here. Screw you guys. <laughs> good luck to you." That scene is so good. I love it. Because mm, if you because if a good you scene. know that's the scene where he almost kills the kid, yeah. Because right? if you know, like that's the thing. It's kind of funny. I feel like Demeter works good if you're a casual fan, or if you're more of a hardcore Dracula fan. Because if you know your Dracula lore and who he's meant to be historically, which is Vlad Dracula the the third, okay, Vlad Tepe's the the family seal for the for the Dracula family was the dragon, because Dracula in Romanian means son of the dragon. Mm-hmm. So that's some historical lore there that they're pulling from with the dragon seal. Such a nerd. I am such a nerd. I am such a nerd. This is MVM. We don't do research here. What is going on? <laughs> so it works in that kind of double meaning because if you're just a couch, you know, oh, I guess there's also just a Dracula thing. But if you know a bit more Dracula wise, you know why they why they went with a dragon seal for Dracula. Mm. Yeah. I really do like that. Uh, or also, like how with Anna also, real quick, how they imply that she's one of his brides who he's bringing along with him. Yeah, I, I was I was wondering about that while I was watching it because I was like, again, I haven't read the book, mm-hmm. but in the movie, he has, he has two brides or he has three? He has three in Universal. Already... I think it's the same in the book. Okay. Off the top, off the top of my head. Some things okay. only give so, me yeah, one or I two, but it's I think it's three in the book. And I know it's three in the OG 31 Lugosi movie. Mm. Yeah, and I, I really like the idea that mm. she's just there for him to feed. Yeah. Um, the, the Lugosi movie doesn't really imply that. It just implies that he just has women that he likes. <laughs> um, <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like that we frequently see all those bark bite marks. Yeah. And then we see them on all the other victims on the ship yeah. and it's like it's brutal every time she gets bitten like it's very painful this isn't this isn't the two bite mark dracula yeah. this is rip out a giant chunk of flesh yeah <laughs> dracula which is worse uh in a lot of ways the the, the other problem i did have mm-hmm. with the back to the logic well, yeah, though really kind of kind of goes back to the final act mm-hmm. i feel like it gets a little strange mm-hmm. And what's happening with the characters and some of their decisions, like mm-hmm. when the captain ties himself to the wheel of the ship, mm-hmm. I don't know what the purpose of that was. Like it's a really strange moment. Well, I think he's tying himself. I'm trying to remember now because it's been a little bit since I watched it. Now I last watched it like a few weeks ago. I'm trying, trying to remember the context of that bit. So, because it could because I, I, I because I know the meta reason for it. Because because I'm sure you probably remember that scene from the 1931 Dracula, which is also from the book, where they find the captain tied to the wheel. So I know that's the meta reason why, because that's probably the most iconic bit of that part of the story, is them finding yeah. him tied to it. But I'm trying to. I think it's to keep it then, steady in that scene. I could be wrong though. Well, it would make sense for it be to keep it steady, but the problem is, is Clemens unties him. Oh yeah, they're trying to save him. And then he—that that is true. He, try, he unties him to try to save him, and then he dies, and his back is against the yeah. wheel. After that, and and he's he's on the ground, and so like the point of it, I mean, Clemens could have just messed up mm. and accidentally untied him, not realizing what he was doing. Maybe, which is a, a possibility too, I guess. Yeah, 
Mm, yeah, and then also the I guess the last thing was when Anna cuts the the rope for the mask mm-hmm. to pin Drac. Yeah, I I thought that was weird, and I felt like it was out of place mm. in this movie. Mm, that's fair. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter except for our characters get off the ship. Yeah, which could have been executed in any number of other ways. Mm-hmm. I feel like, but i i think the final moments could have been refined a little bit mm-hmm. uh at least the final moments on the demeanor yeah. but I, again i feel like it's nitpicking yeah. overall because oh, they're Alex, not bad moments real quick, they're just things that i was like oh that's a lot real, real quick though there is something so i did want to ask you if you've picked yeah. up do you do you remember from universal watch whose cane that is that dracula's randomly has is that cane that cane's not um uh, Van Helsing's is it? Not Van Helsing's. For some reason, Who has the cane? I'd be really, I'd be really good to hear why they made that choice. It's cool. I'm just curious why. That's the Talbot family cane from Wolfman. Oh my gosh! It was a wolf, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the same cane design. I thought that when I looked at it. When I looked at it, I was like, "That's a wolf." Why is that a wolf? I didn't put that together. That's so interesting. I mean, the end of this film feels like they were wanting more sequels. Honestly, okay. I really liked Invisible Man 2020, but I'll say it here. This, to me, would have been like a perfect Dark Universe type cinematic universe starter for the Universal Monsters, in my opinion. You're 100% right. I I don't think... I liked Invisible Man 2020. I do not think that that is the start of a universe of any type. It's a great standalone. It's too realistic. But I don't get why... Universal was like, okay, we're going to hedge our bets on this one. Great movie. Not good for setting more stuff up, if that makes sense. Yeah, but like, your Invisible Man can't be... I guess spoilers for Invisible Man uh, 2020. Uh, just skip a few seconds. Uh, but it, when your Invisible Man is using technology yeah. to turn invisible, uh, that's not a good start for a monster. Yeah, universe. especially because like I remember initially they are like, oh, yeah, we're going to do our Dracula based in science and like i'm not i'm not interested in that personally i don't need like a like a rabies origin for dracula right yeah i, I don't it's know like part of what it, i loved it, 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 here it was, was clemens is a scientist he's he, he's a doctor he was trained in, in cambridge so he tries to approach dracula from that scientific perspective but he can't dracula's beyond science and i think that's a really cool concept to do I I love that too. I mean, it's it's not an mm-hmm. un, it's not an unheard of concept, you know, uh, a man of science being, or the opposite, yeah. but a man of science being approached by something supernatural. But I think the execution here is really well yeah. done because at the end of the day, he is unable to explain it yeah. at all. Like the most he can I, come up I with really is that like vampirism it. is some is some kind of disease, but that's pretty much the most he can come up with. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that man burns alive, he's like, "Oh boy, I know." Right? <laughs> I, I I don't think I know what this is anymore. Exactly. <laughs> and and like and like um, I also like well, how it connects to Clemens's character arc too, because I feel like, and I'm sure you agree, Alex. Sometimes these stories set in the past that try to tackle racism or sexism can come off as heavy-handed, but I feel like they do it pretty yes. much perfectly with Clemens. I agree. Because like, cause I, like I like that because... the crew's not overtly racist to him initially. It shows when they get stressed, which feels realistic, especially for that time. Yeah, and, and, and for me, I only really... I, I picked it up on the initial recruitment because 
they're surprised that he is dressed uh, as like a well-educated man. Yeah. So when they're going through the line, there's a comment that's like a little demeaning. Yeah. Um, but then it leaves it at that one comment, yeah. and it doesn't keep going. Yeah. Uh, whereas I feel like a lot of movies, especially around now, mm-hmm. are going to keep going. And then, and then, like you said, they 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 sprinkle in these little bits of racism or a little bit of adversity yeah. that he's had to face that are all accurate. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> honestly, there 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 probably things that are going to happen on this ship. There yeah. are things that would have happened to him in that time. Yeah. Like these are it doesn't feel yeah. heavy-handed at all and I really appreciate it. And also cool because Clemens is played by oh shoot, let me let me find his name real quick. Because the reason where uh, I was just looking where you would know him from is he this isn't the first famous monster monster he's faced before. Corey Hawkins. Yep. Because oh, okay, that that's his name. Because Corey Hawkins is also in Kong Skull Island as Young Brooks. Ah, that's right. <laughs> that's so. Awesome. This is not his first famous <laughs> monster from the thirties that he's faced. Wow, that's awesome. So it's a fun little oh, yeah. little connection there too. He would have made a great protagonist in the cinematic universe. I'm just saying. Just saying. I've. I've. Is he the main character of this show? Yes, he is. I've seen him before. Mm. I've, I've, I haven't talked to him, but I've seen him before. I was a, I was an extra when he was uh, the main character on Twenty Four Legacy. Oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, I think I got shot at. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I would have loved him to lead this, and then like meet up with a Van Helsing yeah. character, and because then you've got like. That's that's really interesting because then you have this man of science yeah. who now has been uh, crushed by the supernatural, meeting a man who completely believes yeah, in the supernatural, uh, like Van Helsing. Oh, we're setting up the perfect movie se- series, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> I know, right? But because I, I, I applaud them so much for not for like really sticking to to that conclusion that the meter has to have to. Like they, they keep him alive, but they do it in a way that's sensible that they wouldn't know that he survived too, which I appreciate. And it's mm-hmm. just him. They don't stretch it. It's not like him and like five other guys. It's just him. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense why he wouldn't yeah, make it known because he's trying to he's trying to find Dracula. And I also like to okay before I get into what I like with Dracula, I will get into my one big issue, even though it's kind of nerdy and kind of ironic. It also goes into cynicism versus. Um, optimism or just sincerity. It's probably the only really big cynical thing in this movie. I've been seeing it happen a lot in, in vampire movies, actually. Um, I don't like that 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 religious stuff doesn't work on Dracula in this movie. It's my one big yeah, criticism. Yeah, that's weird. I didn't like that either. I was wondering, like, in the books, does it not no, work? It does. Because it does not everything else. <laughs> it, it's a modern thing I've been seeing do it. It's such a weird choice, and it's not one I like. And to me, it feels like it's the 2020s religion sucks. I I, I hate to say it. (laughs) That's what it feels like to me. It does, because you you make it... Because that kind of bridges into a lot of the other things in this movie in terms of his science versus supernatural. Wouldn't it make more sense for the thing that shouldn't work to work? And Clemens be like, what the heck? Yeah. (laughs) Like, why does this work? And they go out and of their way else. very overtly to show it not work. 
because first it's the it's the very religious guy who I get is kind of an asshole who kind of want him to die, but like they show yeah. the Bible not working on Drac, which is like okay maybe oh, maybe it's yeah. just that maybe he has weird religions, but no when the captain tries to put up the cross, Drac just like laughs at him and invites him anyways and it's so weird because the rest of this movie is so classic universal hammer style that that bit is so oddly cynical for this movie Mm. that it bothers me point i completely agree with it Uh, i kind of forgot about it but you're it does bother me as well because i think if they didn't have that this would be like a perfect modern dracula adaptation in a way Mm-hmm. But that's such yeah, a I mean, big it, issue it, for me. It would flow very mm-hmm. well with all the rest of the themes in the movie. Too. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, later, which they have, I, I think one of my favorite other scenes in this movie, going back to Clemens and Dracula, I love the bit where Clemens's last ditch effort is to just shit talk Dracula. It's so good. Yeah, I love the bit where he's just like, <laughs> "You sleep in dirt, bro. Like you suck," <laughs> and I love that actually pisses Dracula off. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and he has to have that that the the comment. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. You're you. He's not afraid of him. He says, oh, "Yeah, you will be." Which is the only time he talks. Which is such a good decision, in my opinion. They really hold Dracula talking for that, and it works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the only time really- because Clemens manages to get Dracula to at least respect him as an equal in some way. Because mm. before yeah. that, Dracula yeah. just viewed them all as food. Clemens was the only one to make Dracula see him as a man, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and he he toys with him a little bit yeah. because of that that uh, bitterness he has toward yeah. him. It seems like very good. Uh, Faye, anything else uh, that you really liked or didn't like? Oh, there was something which I was, which I was going to say, and I just blanked on it. That's so annoying. I hate when that happens. <laughs> well, maybe it'll come up when we do our awards. Yeah. But before that, mm-hmm. I, I will say, it, we, over at MVM Plus, you and me, we talked a lot about something that's been mentioned here a couple of times, cynicism and optimism uh, mm-hmm. in the movies over the decades and what that's looked at. And then it naturally, as a conversation between us, would usually go, Devolved mm-hmm. to a conversation about super <laughs> superhero movie industry, <laughs> yeah, and what it's doing right and wrong, and all of that, and that could have gone on for probably another two hours, I think, if we if we yeah. if we had the time. Um, but yeah, go check that out over at Avia Plus. It's a really good conversation. And Faye, that brings us to our awards. Mm-hmm. Who's your compelling character award? There's a decent few, but I'm gonna say Clemens. I really think Clemens is a really good protagonist in this. And I think he has a really great mm. and interesting arc. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Uh, I I almost picked Clemens, but I just said I decided to pick uh, Anna mm-hmm. because is it Anna or Anna? I think so, it's Anna because I think they're using like the uh, Eastern European pronunciation. I think you're right. So I, I think Anna is probably my most compelling character because really, as soon as you see her and she shows, you see her scars, and then mm-hmm. throughout the movie, you see more and more and more of them. And it's like, holy cow. She's been through so much. And then she has these lines of dialogue. It's like, this lady has been oppressed by like the biggest monster ever for so long. She literally says, like, almost like they don't even know how to fight back uh, at this mm-hmm. point. And I was like, wow. Like, th- that's, a, that's a really interesting character who actually ends up fighting back and shooting Dracula a couple times. I know, right? Pretty, pretty awesome. 
Um, what about your most memorable line award? I kind of gave it away because I mentioned earlier, but my most memorable line is is when Clement goes, you sleep in dirt to Dracula. Because <laughs> it's so I great. It. I love when things point out how pathetic vampires are because at their core they're they're beings that fear death over everything else so i love when characters point that out Mm -hmm. and i mean he even says something like that right like that you're scared of everything or something like that uh yeah or he's like more scared of death or something like that yeah but i like i like that analysis by by clemens um for me, I had Joseph, and he it's when all the rats disappear. He says, a boat without rats, such a thing is against nature. I was like, I was wondering when the rats would disappear, because we see them yeah. around uh, before the, after the animals are killed, I think we still see them around, and then yeah. they disappear. I just I just like that Drac is feasting on these things, because right? he's rationing out his human meals. Yep. Uh, for the Can't Believe That Acting Award, I, I gave this to, um, I guess I'll go, yeah, I'll go first. I'll give this, mm-hmm. I'll butcher his name, Stephen Kapsik, Kap, 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 yep. whatever. Who is also the voice of Colossus in Deadpool 1 and 2. Who is he the voice of? Colossus in Deadpool 1 and 2. I saw that. So, I, I went to his IMDb and I was clicking through and I saw the, I saw the character, but I was like, this character looks nothing like him. Like, but did, I was like, did they motion capture him at all? For Colossus this, in, okay, not to get on a, on a superhero tangent real quick. But yeah, Colossus is motion captured by, by TJ Storm for Deadpool 1 and 2. But okay. Steven Kapsik voices him, which is why he sounds voices Russian. Him. Okay, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, Olgren, uh, Steven Kapsik gets my award again. I think he portrays his character really well. And then he really does the zombie dra- dra- the, the zombie vampire uh really well mm. uh, he, he's horrifying to look at and when he's smashing his head through the mm. wall uh very horrifying and then when he's screaming as he dies that was like yeah that was brutal because that went on for a long time i, know, right? I was like wow this is like this is a lot of suffering <laughs> <laughs> uh for mine i would actually give it to, to javier bote who plays dracula in this oh because I feel now, like I feel. Does, oh, go ahead. The, does he do the voice, or is he walking around as the character? As he well? is walking around the character because they made a suit and makeup for Dracula, which is how he's brought to life in this. Oh, yeah, because that that looks really good. It's very. Uh, I don't know. I, what is that movie? Record. R-A-C? Oh, wreck! Actually, it's funny you bring that up because <laughs> he's who plays um, uh, the origin of the virus and that the super cool lady at the end. <laughs> It's amazing. Same actor. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, I uh, and then let's see. Also, our oh oh, that's a good shot award. Faye, mm-hmm. what stood out to you here? Oh man, there's a lot which are really good. But actually, I'm going to give it to the first shot from early in the movie when we see the, the meter crashed on shore with the rain all around it. I feel like that's a mm. perfect mood setter for the movie. I was surprised it went that way. The only reason that was, yes, this is a story that a lot of people know, but also a lot of people don't know. Yeah. So I did. I thought that they would stick with the, you don't find out everybody mm-hmm. dies at the end, uh, until the end. Um, but I appreciate that they went with the darker approach, I guess, is like nobody yeah. survives. And then it's actually a pleasant surprise that someone does. Yeah. Um. Again, a really good decision to have him 
live the way he did. I know, right? Uh, and then my, oh, that's a good shot award. I did initially have like the landing on the boat mm-hmm. in the terrible CGI fog. Um, but I've actually, I'm pivoting, and I'm thinking about that shot where Dracula gets his first kill. Mm-hmm. And he's got his gigantic hand on the guy's face. Mm-hmm. It is so unsettling. Know, that, right? <laughs> that hand is so big and like, I terrifying love and I, it's so much bigger than I mean, the rest of his body have you and alex gone around to nosferatu yet i forget you guys have seen so much i can't keep track in my head i i am alex but oh me my god Eric me not. yes I'm, I'm, you, <laughs> you know me sometimes i mix you two up i'm just kidding i don't it's okay <laughs> i miss no, it's okay um so no we ha- I, i've i have not seen the original nosferatu i've only oh, seen one of and i do not like it I do not like Werner Herzog's. When, when Eric's back, I feel like that's a perfect one for you for you guys to do. You guys need to do like silent horror, like a silent horror session. That would be cool. That'd be cool. Maybe I can do a series. Yeah, I, I'd probably mixing. Yeah, that that's perfect for him. Mixing like Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, Lost World twenty five, The Golem, those movies. And Is those Caligari Rocky. the movie that they talk about a lot in uh, the? I can't remember the Nicolas Cage movie with the the ridiculous title. I know they did with Pedro Pascal. I know what you're talking about. The burden. Uh, it's got a lot of other words. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, it was okay. It was okay. I'm not gonna look it up. I can't. I'm not gonna be able to find it in time. Um, but yeah, that 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 shot though with the giant hand was like terrifying so i i, I appreciate but the, that. the reason why i bring it up is because because you at least know the, the nosferatu design i love how they mix that nosferatu aesthetic with this track and that's a great moment oh of yeah that. i did notice that and, and that kind of makes the the bites and stuff more terrifying yeah. as well because it does have that and you, you gotta wonder like how does nosferatu bite people well now you know yeah oh here we go the unbearable weight of massive talent oh that movie yeah no i know they they mention that movie as his as Nicholas Cage's favorite movie all the time. Oh, uh, that checks out honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, what about your unique award, fan? Well, my unique award, I I kind of talked about earlier, but my special unique award will be most baffling but super cool reference that will never get context to award, and oh. that's why Dracula has the Talbot family cane. <laughs> I wonder if there was a plan. I wonder because that's so hyper specific. It really is. Oh, uh, you pointing that out to me makes me upset. <laughs> <laughs> Not because I didn't pick up on wh- whose it was, but because of the potential. I know, right? That's not going to be realized. Uh, how unfortunate. Um, for my unique awards, I had. The High Flyer Award. And this goes to that kill Dracula has. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the the first kill he has at the end of the movie where he, he like cuts that guy's throat and he slings him into the mass and he just hits the mass and slowly <laughs> or gets quickly descends yeah. with all the blood behind him. I thought it was kinda it was like horrifying but kinda comical yeah. as well. I get you. <laughs> uh, um I, Faye, I guess that brings us to our final mm-hmm. thoughts. 
Uh, and tiered rating, what, what, what did you think about the movie overall? Uh, I love it. I think it's a great callback to Universal and Hammer style. Really cool to see a Universal Dracula movie again, honestly. Two in one year, which is nuts, because we also got Renfield. Um, really cool. There's something that pleases me a lot, that we're getting a Dracula movie that goes back to his origins, the same year we're getting a Godzilla movie that goes back to his origins. I don't know. I, I love synergy like that. Really fun little synergy there that that warms my heart. I really love this movie. I I definitely think people are being a little harsh on it for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because it's not the kind of horror we've been getting. I feel like this is a movie people will look back on in like a few years and be like, "Huh, why did we sleep on this?" But I guess we'll see. Yeah, it really feels like one of those. Uh, now is this is this Gabra, Gamera, or Godzilla tier? Uh for me, I'd put it in. My Gamera tier, almost Godzilla tier. Okay. This sounds like we're not too far yeah. apart. For me, I, I'm right there with you. This is a, a probably a high Gamera tier for me. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of problems. Yeah. And my problems are, they feel like nitpicks. Mm-hmm. But the number of things that this movie gets right, from its practical set to its uh, horrifying Dracula to even its main character and how they tackle race with it. Mm-hmm. Because they it's not a blitz, but it's it's a dress yeah. in a in a small but I think really well done way. And then also the other characters all feel like good parts of the film. Some are fleshed out more than others, but overall I'm not seeing really I'm not wanting to see any of them, but one of them die. Mm. <laughs> and the, that, and then all the, the the smart decisions with the pacing and not wasting our time mm. with this like slow build up that is incredibly predictable. I like that we just get to it, and we're just going to get picked off one by one until there's nobody left. Mm. So I appreciate this movie quite a bit. Upper Gamera tier, definitely a recommend to any horror fan or Dracula fan for sure. Agreed. For sure. And then, let's see. You don't have to do a rhyme, Faye, <laughs> but Gamera Rebirth is next. I heard it has six episodes. That's a lot of girth. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I am so bad at rhyming. I'm so sorry, Alex. I am the wrong person for that. No! Don't leave me behind! <laughs> you right. need, you okay. need Eric That's back okay. for that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, as always, thanks for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback on mvmpod.com or email us at mvmpod@gmail.com, and we'll read them on the show. You can also follow us or message us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. Become a bargain base mind at, at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join it this time, a review or share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, John Freeman, Michael Herndon, and Christopher Clavero. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, which forms Cellblock B. Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't... Accept random boxes of dirt from strangers with a dragon symbol on it. <laughs> An obvious omen. <laughs> and try to stay, stay alive. alive.
Bay. I know they're not pirates, <laughs> but I thought of this and I said I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs>